one of the things that Iowa is known for, of course, is our first in the nation caucuses. So I've had a, a little bit of a joke on some of the reporters around the Capitol. Many of them will chase after me in the hallway and want to talk about 2016 presidential candidates as they're coming through Iowa. And if you've maybe heard in the news, we, we've had an outbreak of avian influenza. So I, I've made it a point to try and spread the word about the avian influenza and how harmful it's been on Iowa poultry production. And so when they asked me about the 2016ers, I'm like, well, I'm going to welcome everybody to Iowa, but let's talk about the avian influenza. And they quickly uh, scatter off <laughs> the recesses of the Capitol. So, Anyway, we, we are having a very good time of, uh, with that, uh, uh, not the avian influenza, the 2016ers. Um, but we do have a lot of wonderful candidates coming through Iowa right now, and many of you have asked about that, so I just want to say we've got a great field out there. I'm really excited about it, and look forward to hearing more about that in, in the coming months. So I, I, I am excited to be here this morning. Uh, this is a, a great opportunity for me just to kind of tell a little bit about who I am, uh, how I managed to get to the United States Senate, and of course some of the actions that we have ongoing right now and some pieces of legislation that I'm working on. Jay had outlined a couple of those. Um, if you look on the back of the program, it does talk about the Scrub Act. Um, we talked about the HIT Act. There's a number of, of key pieces of legislation that we're working on, so we'll talk more about that later. Um, I am uh, the junior senator from Iowa, Joni Ernst, and was elected in this last cycle. And I, I have said over and over again that it is a long ways from Red Oak, Iowa to Washington, D.C. And so the journey to get here has been quite a lengthy one, a hard-fought one, but it is a pleasure to serve all of the great Iowans here in this city. So uh, one thing that many of you will know that, that I grew up on a farm and we grew soybeans and corn, typical Iowa farms, and of course the occasional hog. And so that's, that's really how I got to be known uh, in Iowa all across the state was really through that squeal ad. But even more so than that, really the point of some of my very edgy advertisements early on was the fact that my parents did uh, raise me, I feel right. And that I had to work very hard along with my brother and my sister on that very small Iowa farm. And so we were, oh, thank you. <laughs> but that's, and I think that that was so important in the way that I, I was raised. My parents taught me the value of a dollar and not to spend more than, than our family was taking in. And it's those hard lessons of life and working hard uh, that really brought me where I am today. Uh, years ago, if you had asked if, if I would ever see myself serving in the United States Senate, I, I probably would have laughed um, because even though I've always felt that I could do anything that I set my mind to, just the likelihood of someone from a small rural town growing up and becoming a, a United States Senator, it just seems so far off. Um, but again, having that drive and determination that came from my parents uh, brought me to where I am today. So I did serve in, in local office as well. I was a county auditor, so do believe in auditing very much. Um, 
of course, we we trust God, but everybody else, we audit. Um, so uh, if you're not God, we're going to audit. Uh, but started out on that pathway, um, started out on that pathway at a very young age. So we worked in, in local government, moved on to the state senate, where we worked very hard to balance our budget in Iowa. And when I went into office, we did have a budget deficit of nearly $900 million. And in Iowa dollars, that's a lot. Uh, and after serving there for four years, we had managed to balance the budget each of those four years. And after four years, we had nearly a $1 billion budget surplus. So that's, uh, that's the thought that I brought into the United States Senate and working very hard uh, on those areas. Now, uh, Jay had mentioned that I still serve in the Iowa National Guard. One of the other things that was taught to me by my parents was service and sacrifice. You know, you work hard, you work hard in your community. We were active in our communities, little towns of Stanton and Red Oak, uh, where I grew up. And that carried on throughout uh, my years, not only volunteering in our communities, but then got to a point where I decided uh, after a trip to Soviet Ukraine uh, during my call time at Iowa State University in college, uh, but decided that I wanted to do whatever I could to protect and defend this nation. Uh, I did not want to see the United States go down the path that they had in, in communist uh, Ukraine. So decided that I would join the Army Reserves and came back from that trip, joined the Army ROTC program at Iowa State University and came out as a second lieutenant. It has been an honor to serve in the United States Army Reserve and in the Iowa Army National Guard. I still serve today. Uh, I am a lieutenant colonel. I have held, uh, you know, I've been a platoon leader. I've held company command. During my company command, we were deployed overseas to uh, Kuwait and Iraq. I was a company commander for a transportation company. So we spent a lot of very long hours on, on, out on the road hauling supplies to our warriors that were serving up north in Iraq. So it was a very humbling experience. It was the worst of times and it was the, the best of times too. I took away a lot from that deployment. And of course, the military means a lot to me. My husband is also a 28-year active duty veteran. Uh, he retired a number of years ago. So a lifetime of service between my husband and I. But I continue to enjoy it. I will be retiring, however, uh, next, next June. I have decided that my time in the Senate is, is very precious. And every minute of every day is, is very important to stay focused. And I absolutely have to have time for my family as well. So I'll hang up my boots uh, next summer and look forward to whatever the, the future brings after that. So anyway, I am proud. Uh, we've got a number of other freshmen in this new class that have also served. And I'd like to spend just a little bit of time talking about the freshman class just briefly. Uh, a lot of us had very tough campaigns over this past year. But after these tough campaigns, we had 12 brand new freshman Republican, 
that are now serving in the United States Senate, and that is due to a lot of your efforts and the efforts of other groups as well. So, as I said, a number of us do have military service. So I continue to serve. Dan Sullivan out of Alaska continues to serve as a Marine Reservist. And we have Tom Cotton of Arkansas, who has also served in the active duty Army forces. So it's been nice to get to know them. But we also have in the freshman class, we have a doctor. Uh, we have a youth group leader. We have many, many private business owners and business people. So it is exciting that we have such a wide variety of talents that are coming into the Senate. We all bring a little something to the table. We're a younger group of senators, so if you look across the spectrum of the United States Senate, you will see that the Republicans have an exciting, diverse group of energetic, participating senators. And you maybe look to the other side and it's not as dynamic and maybe not as exciting, um, but I think that is important. We do represent a broad swath of the United States, and I think that's what we have to emphasize to our voters is that we're not, not that typical Republican Party of yesteryear. We have ideas. We have thoughts on how to make America vibrant and strong and grow our economy and downsize government, uh, keep our nation strong militarily. Um, those are the things that our voters care about. That's what excites them and that's what's going to get them out to the polls. So I am excited to work with this group of, of freshmen. They've been a lot of fun, but we know when it's time to be serious, we put our hearts and minds be, behind our legislation. So it has been, it has been great. Uh, and I love being part of the solution because for so long we have had incompetence and dysfunction here in Washington, D.C. And we are beyond that now with a Republican majority in the House and a Republican majority in the Senate. And we have a wonderful working relationship. Doesn't mean we're gonna agree on everything, but it does mean we are moving forward. So, and that's exactly why I ran for office, is we have to move this country forward uh, instead of sliding backwards, as I feel we have done in the past number of years. <coughs> so, we talked a little bit about the legislation that we have, the HIT Act, the Scrub Act. Um, one, one little item that I'm working on as well is uh, working with the former president uh, compensation as when it comes to uh, the presidential perks. Now, uh, Congressman Chaffetz has been working on this in the House as well, but how many of you know, you know, we pay for their offices, former president's offices, we pay their phone bills, we, we pay so much, we support them after they are out of office with a number of different types of perks. And what this would do is uh, reduce the level of payment that goes to those offices and to those phone bills. Uh, many of our former presidents, and, and this is not about Republican, not about Democrat, um, our former presidents do make a lot of money with their book deals and their speeches out there. And, and why should the taxpayers split the bill for them to have a big fancy office in New York City or somewhere else? This doesn't apply to their personal protection. 
it just applies to some of those additional perks. So we're taking a look at that in the Senate right now. Um, one thing, too, that we have done that I am very proud of, I know our congressmen are proud of, is the fact that we do have a joint resolution approving our budget. It is a budget that will balance in 10 years, and this is the first time that we have had that since 2001. So we have come a long ways. And under failed leadership of the past, you know, we got the United States into quite a mess. But we are on our way out of that. So I am extremely proud to be a part of that. Uh, we will continue working on that. Our budget seems to be very uh, dynamic moving forward. There are a number of concerns that we have to address. But this is a start. It moves us in the right direction. And so I'm glad that we're headed that way. Something else that, that we are working on right now uh, is also in the Senate Armed Services Committee, something that is very important to me, um, is working hard to protect the United States against any sort of attack, whether that's cybersecurity, whether that is coming from a group that we know as ISIS or ISIL. Now, earlier this week, the president was at the Pentagon. He hadn't been to the Pentagon, I think, since October. Uh, but he did go there earlier this week, and he made a speech. Uh, and he talked about the issues that we are facing as a nation and when it comes to terrorism and these types of groups. But what I did not hear coming from the president is a clear, concise avenue of approach on how we deal with not just degrade ISIS, but defeat ISIS. And we have to have that. ISIS has been around for year, year and a half, two years. And they continue to spread throughout the Middle East and many other countries. And we know that they have a presence here in the United States as well. And yet our president refuses, refuses to lay out a plan that will defeat this terrorist organization and those that are being radicalized by them. So one of the pushes that I have in the Senate Armed Services Committee in uh, the United States Senate is to work with our partners in that region, those that are willing to fight against ISIS. And a huge part of that is to arm uh, the Kurdish Peshmerga. The Kurdish regional government has reached out to us and asked for support. They are willing partners. They want to work with us. And I know from experience that they have fought alongside American men and women in that region for over 30 years now. They have been wonderful partners. They're proven partners. We can't rely on them. So that's one of my efforts is to arm the Kurds and allow them to push back on ISIS. They are doing extremely um, well in Syria right now. So let's arm them, let's uh, assist them in pushing back against ISIS. Now I do want to talk a little bit, I know it was uh, mentioned to us that uh, we wanted to talk just a little bit about giving the response to the President's State of the Union. And I was very, very honored to do that. Uh, I had not served a day yet in the Senate. <laughs> I, 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 it caught me off guard, I'll be honest. Um, I learned that I was uh, selected to give the response to the State of the Union in December uh, before I even moved here for the January session. 
And uh, the way that occurred, uh, we had had a, a freshman get together with uh, Leader McConnell. And as we were getting up to leave his office, I was going out with the other freshmen, his uh, chief of staff came over to me and said, Senator Ernst, the leader would like to speak to you. And all of a sudden, I just had all these horrible thoughts going through my head. I'm not, even, I'm not even sworn in yet, and I've done something wrong. <laughs> but uh, we did sit down and, and we talked about it, and I was uh, glad to accept that, that challenge of giving the, the response. Uh, it was a great opportunity for me to highlight our new Republican initiatives and what we wish to accomplish in Congress. So we have a great Republican majority, and I wanted to be able to highlight why we are different, why I am, I am different from what you've seen in the past. Um, I love who I am. I'm comfortable with who I am. I love where I came from. And I think that's important that each of us from our own state, um, from our own districts, we represent our people and represent them very well. And so talking about those thoughts and ideas and who we are and where we come from and that we are part of the American fabric is so important. And that's how we will win elections as well, is by telling our stories, making sure that our voters and our supporters understand what we stand for, which is a stronger, more prosperous America that believes in growth in the economy and development of private industry, working hard. That's who we are. Um, and we need people to understand that. So we have to do a very good job at telling our stories and why it is working for the United States of America. So I had a great time in delivering uh, that address or response to the address. I look forward to continued service in the United States Senate and working with my counterparts in the House. Uh, it has been a phenomenal journey for me, a very long time coming in development through my years. But I appreciate the support that I've gotten from the great people of Iowa. I love them very much. Uh, I am engaged in a 99-county tour, and that is every year. Uh, senator Chuck Grassley, the senior senator of Iowa, has done this every year for 34 years. Uh, and he has set the bar pretty high. So, <laughs> so I will continue on that journey. But again, I love it. I enjoy it so much. Uh, I go out on those trips, and the people of Iowa just renew my faith that we are headed in the right direction. And to have their confidence and trust here in Washington, D.C. means the world to me. So I will always take that to heart, work very hard for them, work for the betterment of the United States of America, make sure that we are downsizing our government and really pushing uh, the responsibilities back to the local level, our states and our local governments, because they truly do know what is best uh, for our voters, our constituents, uh, and, and all of their populations. So, I do want to thank you again for allowing me to be here today. I do want to take a, just a few questions here before I leave. But again, thanks for allowing me to join you this morning. And I do hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. So thank you. Jay, um, you did such a great job. You can either have the first or the last question this morning. Uh, I'll take the last. All right. Very good. Anybody else? Sir? 
As a as a former transportation battalion commander, you must know the value of good infrastructure. So yes. I, just, yes. I, I would just be interested <laughs> to hear your take on what's going on with highways in the Senate. We hear there's this big rift between the House yes. and a six-month bill in the Senate and at least a two-year bill. So right. Well, and that's that is a really really bad thing to compare me to. You know, I was a transportation <laughs> company commander. You can only imagine the state of the roads that we drove over in Iraq. Um, they were pretty well pitted by the time we were driving through there. But um, anyway, it, infrastructure is extremely important. And I uh, was visiting with somebody on the Hill yesterday. They were from a different state. And they were saying, well, it's so important in my state that we have good infrastructure. And I said, you know, it's important in every state that we have good infrastructure. So a lot of the discussion that we have had is really, how do we fund it? And that is the struggle right now, is because uh, many of us are, are unwilling to just simply raise the gas tax. That is not the do-all, end-all, be-all solution. Uh, I, don't, I don't support that. I think that we have to look at other options, long-term funding options. And I would like to see a six-year plan. That's what's being discussed in the Senate right now. There is going to be some disagreement. We have some hurdles that we have to get through first. But it's, it's going to take a lot of very heavy discussion. And I don't sit on any of those committees. So I don't know the inner discussions that are happening right now. But I can tell you, this is, it is very contentious. But we all understand that we have to have a long-term plan for our infrastructure. We can't continue just doing six-month patches. It's very difficult, and I understand this coming from the local level and working with a county engineer, and then at the state level working with our director uh, at Department of Transportation. They have to know what funds will be available long-term to plan any long-term infrastructure projects. So, can't give you a straight up answer right there, uh, but uh, but we do understand the significance and the importance of having a good uh, good plan for our infrastructure. So thanks for bringing up a tough one right off the, right off the bat. Yeah, thank you. Ann. regulatory burden that yes. is you know, being imposed on almost every sector of the economy. We do, a, a, among other things, a lot of work in the mortgage industry. And while there were excesses in the mortgage industry that led to the crisis, etc., as you might imagine, it's gone you know, 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And with all the regulations that have gone in, the impact on the consumer is very negative. It's you know, closing costs going from an average $2,500 a loan to $8,000. And with the new disclosures that are going into effect, aside from all the inconvenience that's going to cost consumers, it wouldn't surprise me if closing costs go up to 10 or 11 per loan on average. So that's a huge impediment to refinancing, huge impediment to millennials buying a home. So you know, I, I'm hopeful that some of the members, like yourself on the Hill, start to maybe talk about some of the burden in terms of the impact on the consumer and the cost of them. Because I, I don't think otherwise it's just on the company. It's not, no Absolutely. The regulatory burden that we place upon our business environment here in the United States is excessive um, to a point where with the, the Scrub Act, 
that is something that we are working on is the regulatory burden and my thought is if a regulation is out there and it's hampering our industry or it simply doesn't make sense we need to take a close look if it's not doing uh, anything that's positive for the business environment or there's not a specific reason whether it's safety you know we need to get rid of it we shouldn't keep it on our books and it shouldn't be there uh, so the scrub act is is a start there i i am very hopeful with that working on senator uh, working with senator hatch on that particular effort uh, what we did in iowa was very similar while i was in the legislature there worked very hard to pass an act that was very similar to what the RAINS Act would do here in, uh, at the federal level. We actually passed that in Iowa. So it's uh, very good. We see what we see in Iowa as a result of balancing the budget and making sure that we, we're keeping our rules and regulations in check. Our business environment has exploded in Iowa. You know, couple that with low taxes and it, it's growing by leaps and bounds. Um, we have to do the same thing here in Washington, D.C. at the federal level because I hear that it doesn't matter what industry I hear it from, whether it's banking and finances, whether it's the transportation industry, whether it's our hospitals, it, it doesn't matter. Every stop that I make in Iowa, they are talking about the overburdensome rules and regulations. And so we have to, we have to address that. So that's part of this effort, and I am happy to work on those types of efforts. Uh, right now in Iowa, the EPA is really coming down very heavy on our agricultural operations, of course, with waters of the U.S. and other types of regulations. So we understand it needs to be addressed, and we are acting on it. Thank you, Ian. Jay, you get the last question because Brooke just stood up, which means... <laughs> Well, you mentioned the budget resolution um, in your speech, <clears throat> excuse me, and I think that everybody in the room here probably has something they want done in reconciliation, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so I'm just wondering how the, the leadership is using uh, the freshmen uh, to sort of corral some of the outliers to make sure that we do something positive when it comes to this <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, the leaders have not approached the freshmen yet <laughs> on this, but that remains a viable option going forward. But there is so much that we would like to do through through reconciliation. But you know, we're not we're not at that point yet. Uh, we have to be very careful and coordinated in what we do, and make sure that that we are moving for the benefit of the United States and, and everyone involved. So, but we can be very valuable tools. I want to stress that, especially to our leadership. But uh, we do have a very valuable place in the caucus, and we bring a lot to the table. So uh, we've got a lot of enthusiasm. We communicate regularly with our constituents back home, and that's what we need to do to garner support for these types of actions.